0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Let Me Tell You a Story. I am super excited about the story. It is absolutely wild. I have Nils here. You have to excuse my slight congestion. I did get a little bit ill in the past few days. No, it's not COVID. I got a cold. But I can't even complain because this is the first time I've been sick in like a year and a half. So, you know. It sucks, but I'm here. So if I sound a little nasal, you know why. Babe, are you ready for this story? I don't think you're ready for this story. I was drinking. Are you ready? You're not ready. What? You're not ready for this. No.
0: Make me wait longer for the story.
1: (laughs) Okay. It was March of... Oh my lord, are you
0: kidding?
1: What are you doing? I forgot
0: the most important thing. Your jewel.
1: Okay. It was March of 1977 when Charles C. Morgan disappeared. His absence wouldn't last long, but when he reappeared three days later, his account of what transpired over the 72 hours he had been gone would ultimately be just the beginning of quite possibly the most bizarre case I have ever come across let me tell you a story about a mysterious kidnapping with ties to both the federal government and the mafia and one man who just may have gotten in way over his head eventually paying the ultimate price
0: i like it good era 77 yeah it's a
1: real good i thought this
0: was going to be about aliens for some reason
1: no but i kind of did set it up that way At the time of his disappearance, Charles C. Morgan was 39 years old, living in Phoenix with his wife, Ruth. Uh, (laughs) Phoenix. With his wife, Ruth, and their daughters. He was a very successful businessman and the president of his own escrow agency. So let's talk about real estate in 1970s Arizona, shall we?
0: Yeah. Can you tell me what escrow is?
1: Okay. Let me get there because I literally made a point of mentioning (laughs) how I don't really understand (laughs) escrow. It was during the decade of peace, love, and flower power that the Mafia discovered that Arizona was the perfect place to do some good old-fashioned money laundering. Um. (laughs) Because Arizona had a law that was, quite honestly, basically made for racketeers. The law allowed literally anyone to buy up land through blind trust accounts, which would result in the buyer's anonymity. So the mafia were like, all right, cool, let's just launder all this money through these blind trust accounts and nobody will ever know that it's us. And that's exactly what they did. In Phoenix. In Phoenix. And obviously, when you're dealing with real estate, you're going to need a pretty damn good escrow agent. Enter Charles C. Morgan. According to the Unsolved Mysteries episode on this case, Charles did do escrow work for at least one mafia family. The show also suspected that he had aided in the purchases of gold bullion? 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 B- bullion? I don't know. Bullion. Bullion. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> and platinum, which the mafia deemed an even easier way to launder money. Because in reality, there was no gold or platinum being purchased at all. The buyer's money would just move through escrow agencies until it became legitimized.
0: Isn't there always like a trail?
1: There is a paper trail, but there is no gold or bullion. So if you meet someone who's willing to do crooked work for you, they're going to legitimize that purchase, even though there is actually no gold or platinum at all. Honestly, it almost sounds too easy. Like you said, it doesn't make a lot of sense as to how the whole trail works. I think it'd be way more complicating to launder money in 2021 than it was to launder money in the 70s. I don't
0: know. Cryptocurrency, dark web.
1: I don't know. QAnon. There was literally a law that was like, anyone can buy land here and... That should have been obvious when a bunch of, like, gang-type activities started happening. They should have known that they had literally attracted the mafia.
0: Yeah, but, you know, maybe they thought it would lead to a casino boom.
1: Either they had to have known and they didn't care because they, they cared about... Because they're like,
0: we're Arizona, Everyone, right? no one cares.
1: Or they messed up and it was too late. But I did read a bunch of reports that said that at one point there were, like, 500 racketeers in the Tucson area alone because everybody just started setting up shop there. They're like, oh, this is perfect. They made this law for us. Let's go. Yeah, we
0: like the dry heat. It's good for our bones.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is the part where I was going to talk about escrow because in reality, I always feel so dumb when I talk about real estate because there's so many moving parts.
0: I swear, someone's explained this to me like four times. Somebody has explained (laughs) this to me too
1: like 24 times. I just, my brain cannot grasp all of the moving parts in a real estate deal. I just don't
0: think I care enough to grasp it.
1: Well, I think I don't care enough about all the middle section. I do care about the house, the house, the end, the I end care part about, of yeah, it. The
0: money and the house,
1: and like searching for the house <laughs> and then having the house. But like escrow, I for some reason escrow just goes over my head.
0: I think they just you have to put some money in an escrow account, and then the person you're paying is looks at the account. And it's like. Oh, the money's in there, and they hold it, so it's real money in a real account, so the money's on the table. It's like, ooh, an ante and poker or whatever. You're like, I do have the, I'm good for it.
1: But I guess, like, all the moving parts of a real estate deal could honestly explain why the complexity of real estate, coupled with this Arizona law that honestly is dumb AF, And how that made it so easy for all these mafia bosses to get away with all these crimes. Because it really became like a big thing very, very quickly. I did this whole deep dive into Arizona in the 1970s. And basically the mafia had established Arizona as a narcotics pipeline. Just because of its location. So they were making a bunch of illegal money because of literally funneling all the narcotics, the drug trade. And then they're like, "All right, well we need to put this money somewhere. Mm. In order to legitimize the money. So, because Arizona allows people to... By land, that illegal money is now in something, and now it's good. It's insane. The whole thing is insane.
0: Uh, sounds good. Yeah. Smart guys.
1: So Charles C. Morgan clearly got involved with some of these mafia families, and he worked as an escrow agent. I read in an article that he definitely, it was like confirmed that he worked for at least one.
0: Did he know? He knew. He was crooked? He knew what he was doing. Oh, sweet.
1: He definitely knew there was money laundering so going on.
0: He's like ignorance- Yeah, and no
1: article I read said that like he 100% was like, oh, I'm laundering money, but some of the comments he makes throughout this story kind of makes it obvious that he knew he was laundering money, or at least helping mafia people launder money. According to Charles' wife, Ruth, in that Unsolved Mysteries episode, Ruth said, quote, he told me, the less the girls and you know, the better off you will be which, I mean, is so nice. <laughs> Jesus at <Christ>. all. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, okay, that's funny. Now tell me everything. <laughs> Can you imagine if you said that to me?
0: If I said that to you?
1: If you said that to me. I wouldn't present
0: it that way, though. I'd be like, hey, babe, I want to tell you about my important escrow deal. And you'd be like, whatever. I don't care.
1: <laughs> what's escrow? You're
0: right.
1: Yeah, but if you were like, oh, I'm doing this thing, and I was like, what is it about? Like, what's going on? And you were like, the less you know, the better, I would hold you down and force you to tell Mm -hmm. me. That just would never fly. I honestly feel like for Ruth, it was just a different time. And I actually feel really bad for her in the story because she believed too. like the less I know, the better, because she knew her husband was in some illegal stuff. You know,
0: were they living the high life? Like, did he have a sweet house and like... A nice car. They were well nice off. Car. He was
1: very successful. But I don't know if he p- just became successful because he started working the mafia. Like, he w- he always had his own escrow agency. He was the president. So, like, he obviously got into some stuff. And we've seen enough movies to know that the mafia sometimes just walks into a business and is like, now you work for us. You know?
0: Mm, they normally have some sort of angle, though. They're like, hey, you owe this casino $10,000. We own the casino. We own you.
1: Yeah, I don't know. But we were watching, like, um, what was it? Uh, Goodfellas.
0: Yes, yeah, not
1: a they documentary though. No, I didn't say documentary. I said movies.
0: I know, what do you mean? It's like fiction.
1: I take it as fact. Okay. <laughs> I like the
0: Bible. <laughs> well, what does that
1: mean? The Bible's you know what? not fact. Goodfellas is just a fantastic <laughs> movie. <laughs> the Bible isn't factual. Okay, that's an argument for a different day. <laughs> so let's talk about Charles's disappearance. Spoiler alert: the first one. According to reports, Charles had just dropped his girls off at school on the morning of March twenty second, 1977. It was a regular day by all accounts, except for the fact that Charles C. Morgan straight up disappeared, leaving no evidence as to what the F caused his sudden absence. That was until he returned three days later in the middle of the night. At around 2 a.m. on March 25th, Ruth woke up when she heard banging at the door of their home. She told Unsolved Mysteries, quote, I got up, went to the door, and opened it, and there was Chuck. She calls him Chuck, by the way. Quote, he was missing a shoe and had one plastic handcuff around one ankle and a set around his hands.
0: What's a plastic handcuff?
1: I think she means zip ties. No.
0: Zip ties? No, not
1: toys. (laughs) I think she means zip ties. Zip ties? Zip ties. Did they have zip
0: ties in the 70s? Yes,
1: yes. Absolutely, because I read another article that literally referred to them as zip-like ties. So I think they were zip ties, what we would refer to as zip ties. So clearly, he's been through some stuff, all right? Ruth explained that Charles motioned to his throat, (laughs) seemingly trying to tell her that he couldn't speak. So she got a pen and paper, and Charles started writing. According to Charles, after being kidnapped and tortured, his throat had been painted with a hallucinogenic, I can never say this word, a hallucinogenic drug, and, no, it's
0: with an H, like, an hotel.
1: (laughs) I hope you're kidding. I'm not. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to educate you here, okay? You say A when the next (laughs) word... It starts with a consonant. <laughs> I love that you're so convinced you're right. And you say "an" when the following word starts with the vowel. An hotel. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Babe, come on. <laughs> you say like "an apple."
0: Uh,
1: and what? a hotel." It "an." <laughs> it's <just> stupid.
0: Cuz <laughs> I'm stupid.
1: Are you kidding? And hotel? Yeah. Uh Uh-uh, babe. I don't even think that's some British shit. I just think that's some you shit.
0: No, it's a real thing.
1: (laughs) It's not. It's not. Baby, you're making me sad.
0: (laughs) I can't be bothered to this up, but I'm fairly sure (laughs) that in England you (laughs) say... At, like you say an hour, you say an hotel.
1: Yeah, because maybe because hour is pronounced with the vowel sound, but you don't say an hotel.
0: What about an hotel? <laughs> 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 Got him. If you're like
1: cock me, baby. <laughs> uh, okay, according to Charles, after being kidnapped and tortured. <laughs> 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 you're so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it, that was cute.
0: I got off at five.
1: Okay, and hotel. <laughs> After being kidnapped and tortured, his throat had been painted with a hallucinogenic. And hallucinogen. Can you stop? Can I just get through this sentence? You are not right. It's not an ha- an hallucinogenic. I can't even say it. It's no, so it's wrong. Hallucinogenic. <laughs> so what do you say?
0: A hallucinogenic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ah Who are you trying to oh, fool? I'm so
0: tired.
1: <laughs> Not true. According to Charles, after being kidnapped and tortured, his throat had been painted with a hallucinogenic drug that could potentially cause insanity, or destroy his nervous system, or kill him.
0: It's a lot.
1: It's a lot. Basically, what he means by painted. I read a couple of, like, Reddit comments and things like that because I, like, went into a serious deep dive on this case. And there were a couple of Reddit comments that pointed out when they say painted, they mean, like, holding it open and swabbing your throat so that you can't spit it out, you know?
0: Sounds slightly unbelievable.
1: It does, but I don't think it is. Oh, okay. When Ruth heard this, or read it, rather, she was like, all right, I'm calling the doctor. But Charles refused to alert anybody, including the authorities. Ruth explained, quote, he was adamant that that would be signing a death warrant for the entire family, unquote. So here's Ruth with her zip-tied husband who clearly needs help, and she has no way to help him for fear of retaliation, which honestly is freaking terrifying. So Ruth ended up nursing her husband back to health while also pushing for more information. Charles ended up telling Ruth that his captors had taken his treasury department ID. And Ruth was like, Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Wait, what? Since when do you work for the Treasury Department? (laughs) And Charles was like... He was tripping. Except not. Charles was like, well, you see, I've been an agent for like two or three years. So this is where things get really interesting, because it appears that Charles had his toes in shady dealings with the mafia, working as an escrow agent and doing the fake gold and platinum purchases, but here he was telling his wife that he'd also been employed as an agent for the U.S. Treasury for two to three years. So, whose side was Charles really on? And most importantly, who kidnapped him? According to Ruth, Charles never named his captors, but the entire ordeal sent him into absolute paranoia. Yeah, it would because duh. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. From then on, Charles took zero chances when it came to his safety, and more importantly, the safety of his family. He wouldn't allow anyone else besides him to drive his daughters to and from school. Some news reports state that he'd barely even let them go outside. It seems that he knew that what had happened to him was not over, and he was determined to keep his wife and his daughters out of it. Knowing he may not be so lucky, Charles wore a bulletproof vest at all times. All times. All times. Can all you my- imagine, like, going to Trader Joe's? And, like, not being able to leave to go to Trader Joe's without your bulletproof vest. Yeah. yeah, he
0: must have been, like, for real. But, on, I
1: mean, you're kidnapped. In the Unsolved Mysteries episode, they don't go into details on how he escaped, but I read multiple news reports that said he escaped. So if he got away from his captors, you must be wondering, like, when are they coming back for me, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, none of these extra precautions could prevent the inevitable. Charles had a target on his back. So just two months after he had first shown up zip-tied and handcuffed with a harrowing story to tell, Charles C. Morgan, once again, disappeared.
0: Okay. What was he thinking? Like, I think if I was in some, like, questionable shit, and then maybe I was a secret treasury agent, like, by the way, who knew that that's a thing? Like, nobody. Uh, And then you got kidnapped, and you escaped. Wouldn't you move? Wouldn't you take your family... And move?
1: Well, if you are working for the Treasury Department as an agent, that means you are working against financial crimes. So you would maybe think that you are protected in some way.
0: I feel like if he was an FBI informant and they were working a Treasury case, yes. But if he's a secret agent for the Treasury Department, I feel like he's just like crunching some numbers and shit.
1: Mm, well, you're asking good questions, but this will all be answered. Okay. Days quickly turned into a week with no clue as to what happened to Charles once again. On day nine, the first clue would come in the form of an ominous phone call. An unidentified woman called the Morgan household. When Ruth answered the phone, the mystery woman said, quote, Chuck is all right. Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through
0: 8. Mm, the and then Bible, she hung up. Bible code. You got to go look in the Bible.
1: Uh, I did. So let me read you some of the Bible passages referenced by this creepy-ass woman, okay? So this is just some of it. So it starts, the verse one. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. It goes on to say, remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it meaningless, meaningless.
0: But is it? Isn't there some code?
1: Says the teacher, everything is meaningless. No, I wasn't saying meaningless. What the fuck? That's part of the verse. (laughs) Wait,
0: that's in the Bible?
1: Yeah. Meaningless, exclamation point, meaningless, exclamation point, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. What? I know, like, thanks, lady, I totally get it now. (laughs) Got it, thanks, it makes so much sense. Bye. I guess if there was anything to gain from that phone call, at least the woman told Ruth that Charles was still alive. Unfortunately, that would only be temporary because just two days after Ruth received the phone call, (laughs) Charles C. Morgan was discovered 40 miles west of his home and he was dead from a single gunshot wound fired at close range to the back of his head. Still clad in his bulletproof vest, the bullet fired into Charles' skull was from his very own gun which was found right beside him.
0: He should have got a bulletproof hat.
1: (sighs) I always think about that. I was about to be like, babe. But honestly, I always think about that.
0: A bulletproof hat is a helmet. P.S. You can't just walk around wearing a helmet, dropping your kids off at school.
1: I mean, I would if I thought the mafia was after me. Or even worse, (laughs) if I thought the federal government was after me. Absolutely. Also found with Charles' body was a piece of paper with directions to where Charles' body would ultimately be found. Written in Charles' handwriting a pair of sunglasses that definitely did not belong to him, according to the Unsolved Mysteries episode, and a $2 bill clipped inside his underwear. Well,
0: lucky $2 bill. We all have a lucky $2 bill. Yeah,
1: his was in his underwear.
0: Even lucky.
1: (laughs) On the $2 bill were written seven Spanish names, all beginning with letters between A and G, and again, Ecclesiastes 12. The verses one through eight were also marked by arrows drawn on the bill's serial number. On the other side of the bill, the signers of the Declaration of Independence, as depicted on the two-dollar bill, were numbered one through seven, and there was a map written practically in like chicken scratch.
0: Wow, this is some like.
1: This is some this like twisted, like weird. Shit. Yeah. So, just to reiterate this. The two dollar bill had seven Spanish names written on it, beginning with the letters between A and G. And again, Ecclesiastes 12. So they just wrote Ecclesiastes 12, the same thing that the woman had referenced on that phone call. But then verses 1 through eight were marked by arrows drawn on the bill's serial number. And then on the other side of the bill, on the pictures on the picture of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, they were numbered one through seven, and there was also a map drawn, okay?
0: There's a lot of information on this $2 bill.
1: I know. The map did actually lead to a real place, the town of Robles Junction, which sits between Tucson and Mexico and was a known smuggling area.
0: Okay. And this was clipped into his underpants?
1: Into his underpants. So
0: tight. Right.
1: So after all of this evidence is found, the Sheriff's Department's like, clearly the only explanation for this is suicide. (laughs) I've... yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, so he
0: had his lucky code $2 bill mm-hmm. put on birth proof first Draven Khan shot himself in the back of the head
1: suicide to the back of the head is actually extremely common what I know I read it because I needed to look that up because I was like how on earth would the sheriff's department be like Okay, he shot himself in the back of his head. It must be suicide. To me, I'm like, that makes no sense. No one shoots himself in the back of the head. Turns out a lot of people shoot themselves yeah, I mean, in the back of the head. I mean, you
0: can't see it coming, right?
1: I don't want to speculate what goes through someone's head before they commit suicide. And if they're really thinking about the proper placement, I think you're right. Who's really thinking about that? I just think based on statistically what police and investigators have seen is that a shot to the back of the head... During suicide is not that yeah. uncommon. I mean,
0: that's interesting.
1: I know. I was very surprised by that, too. But obviously, not everybody believed this theory because, frankly, this theory does sound insane. Who drives himself to a desert wearing a bulletproof vest and shoots himself in the back of the head? It literally makes no sense. Why was he wearing his bulletproof vest?
0: If you took that incident on its own, maybe, but the fact that he was kidnapped two weeks earlier... right? Then you're like, no.
1: <laughs> yeah. And also, the fact that he was found with that bill, that woman called the house. Who's that woman? Like, there's so many other things that I would be questioning at that point, right? It's insane. It all sounds insane. I
0: mean, it definitely sounds like the sheriff's department couldn't be fucked.
1: Yeah, especially when you consider what happened next. So two days after Charles' death, a woman called the sheriff's department and identified herself as Green Eyes. <laughs> right. Yeah, she said, "Hey, I'm the same woman who called Ruth," <laughs> <laughs> and I quoted the Bible. She's like, "Yeah, what's up? That was me. My name's Green Eyes. Pretty creepy, right?"
0: She said, "Pretty creepy, right?" No, I just gave oh. her words.
1: Uh, no, none of that is quoted. All right, <laughs> um, don't at me. But yeah, no, she called the sheriff's department was like, "Hi, my name is Green Eyes. Also, I called Ruth. Did she tell you about it? That was me."
0: Is this a quote, or are you making no, this I'm up? No, I'm making this up too. For fuck's sake. <laughs>
1: According to Green Eyes, Charles had visited her at a local motel shortly after his disappearance. Oh, Charles. Charles told her that the mob had put a hit out on him, and he planned on paying the hitman himself. Mm. According to Morbidology, the police did corroborate Green Eyes account with CCTV footage obviously capturing them both at a motel. But then nothing more came from this woman, which also sounds insane, because I'd be like, okay, her name's Green Eyes, let's keep questioning her. You know, like, just, who is this woman? She says her name's Green Eyes. She says that she talked to Ruth.
0: She calls the sheriff. She calls the sheriff's department. Is this before or after the sheriff's department were like, it's a suicide?
1: Well, I think the sheriff's department... Pretty much came to the suicide conclusion as soon as they saw the gun sitting next to his and body.
0: And then she called and was like, Two days What's after up, his body was yeah, boom,
1: yeah." And they were like, "Eh."
0: And then she they ne- then then that was it.
1: That was it. That's all that's written about her.
0: She loves that move of like just calling, saying <laughs> something random, and then just disappearing. Like the
1: creepiest calls ever. <laughs> After his death, Morgan's own attorney confirmed that Charles had testified in a secret state investigation into the dealings of Tucson's Banco Internacional de Arizona. Dealings he knew of, apparently, but had played no part in. All right. Now, here are some other crazy things that happened. Morgan's impounded car was also broken into after his death, despite the fact that it was in police possession.
0: mm -hmm. Police impound lots for vehicles and shit. I think that's just, like, big parking lots with a fence around them. You would think. Like, I don't think it's that.
1: You would think it wouldn't be that hard to break into anything. Right. But, I mean, you'd also think there'd be a security guard on duty, right? All night? Yeah, but... I don't know. It's uh, the 70s. Yeah. And perhaps the creepiest thing to happen after Charles' death happened to Ruth. Because, God, poor Ruth. <laughs> Two men showed up to her front door and claimed to be FBI agents. They then ransacked her house, mm. searching for God knows what, and mm. left. And Ruth was quoted multiple times, saying that she has no effing clue who these men were. were they
0: Were they FBI?
1: She said that they opened their ID cards super fast.
0: Did they have a warrant?
1: Acted, nope, acted super weird. <laughs> and asked to search the house. And then she said they absolutely ransacked it looking for something. But no FBI, whatever, authority ever came out after that and said, well, yeah, that was us or whatever. No one ever confirmed anything. Yeah. So after all of these things happened, the sheriff's department still refused to budge, and they closed the case in August just a few months later and officially (laughs) ruled it a suicide.
0: Good work, guys.
1: I know this kills you because you hate unsolved cases, all right? So Ruth ended up dying in 2006, which is really sad because she actually never, ever found out what happened to her husband. But she did go on to state multiple times that no part of her ever believed that her husband would commit suicide, ever. She said not only was, like, the kidnapping and everything else that happened way too coincidental. But she did not believe at all, just based on who Charles was as a husband and a father, that he would commit suicide without leaving a note, at the very least. So, obviously, there is the suicide theory. There's a bunch of people that believe, and this is, like, coming from, like, Reddit and, like, all these forums that I read, that Charles simply snapped, okay? Simply snapped and took his own life. And that there is something else going on, okay? okay? And, sure, I just don't see how you could be known to have ties with the mafia, known to be an informant in a state case into land fraud, and not have that somehow tie into your death.
0: Yeah, and also, like... As now I see what you are saying earlier Like why would you go around For two weeks with a bulletproof vest If you were going to commit suicide Exactly like Why protect yourself
1: Exactly Right Exactly
0: Why are you saying exactly wrong
1: How am I saying it
0: Exactly
1: I'm sorry is there no T in exactly <laughs> <laughs> Sounds weird That's how, how people always make fun of me for saying Honestly that people always make fun of me for saying perfectly
0: Oof, Yeah how, Say it Perfectly.
1: Yeah, well, you're forgetting a letter.
0: Okay. Why don't you grab your tissues? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how you say it.
0: <laughs> Only to make you mad.
1: Don't ever say that again. See?
0: A tissue? Tissue.
1: Oh, my God. That is awful. <clears throat> that is awful. I know how to press your buttons. Tissue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> that makes me want to punch you. Now, there is a lot of other things attached to this because they were. it was later linked to a couple of other cases, and I felt like I wanted to cover the following murders in next week's episode.
0: Uh, Okay, so what's your theory?
1: So my theory Mm -hmm. is, after the mafia, maybe one of his crime families that he worked for, or one of the crime bosses, found out that he was
0: Mm -hmm.
1: a... An informant yeah. for the Treasury Department, yeah. or
0: secret agent. Yeah,
1: they were like, "Oh, he's turned. He's a snitch, dude. He's a snitch. He's immediately a snitch, what forever is, a snitch."
0: What do snitches get? Stitches. That's right. Snickers. What? Stitches. get <laughs> Snickers.
1: I believe that they did really put a hit on on his life, and I do believe that he tried to pay his way out of that contract. So he arranged with the hitman.
0: Yeah, you can't trust a hitman. You
1: He arranged with the hitman to meet. And the hitman went along with it and still ended up killing him.
0: Well, great for the hitman because he gets paid two ways, right? He gets paid by Charles. And then he gets paid for finishing his contract. Yeah. And as we learned in our first episode, you can't trust a hitman.
1: No, never. No. You can never trust a hitman.
0: Mm. That seems like the most reasonable...
1: Um, It seems like the most reasonable thing. Obviously, I have listened to way too many stories where informants get killed. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you have to really question who's to blame. Because if you are an informant for the government, you should be protected. That is my belief.
0: Yeah, but I also... It's like a gray area, right? Because I think to do your job as an informant you also have to be undercover and you have to be able to operate without having a security team or like the FBI on your ass, right? You have to be able to be believable to get the goods.
1: Another part of my theory also makes me believe that the authorities were crooked. Because why did Charles not want to call the police? What did the local police or the Tucson police know or what dealings were they involved in and how did the mafia find out that he had flipped
0: okay I think he was playing both sides yeah and yeah the mob found out but he couldn't then go to his handlers at the treasury department because he was making deals with the mob
1: would it be crazy to think that the local police were not crooked as well in a time where the mafia was running yeah, Tucson?
0: Like the simplest answer is always the Occam's Razor, right? Like the simplest answer is, is the the most likely answer. And so, are there bent cops? Yes, hundred percent. Like are there cops on the take? From the mob in the 70s in yeah. Arizona. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. So, yeah. And then, were the mob doing fucked up shit in the 70s in Arizona? Yes. Was he involved in both of those? Yes. So, the simplest answer is, he had his fingers in too many Arizona pies. He just
1: got in way over his head. Yeah.
0: And, it like, motivationally, his answer was, more money. I'll pay the hitman off. Like, he obviously didn't really have a full sense of what was happening it's weird i'm a very frustrated I'm, a, I, yeah this is like the blue balls of stories
1: yeah so to this day no one actually knows what happened to Charles C. morgan and to be honest i don't i don't know if we'll ever know to them <laughs> it was suicide which also why would why did the sheriff's department quickly rule it a suicide there's a lot of weird things in this and what is up with the ecclesiastes is 12? there any
0: writing of like We thought it was a hoax, so we just ignored it. Like, is there any...
1: Nothing. So, I believe that there is a lot more to this story, and I believe that Charles C. Morgan's mysterious death is honestly only half of the 1970s Arizona drug trade mafia crime situation. So make sure to tune in next week for the conclusion to this wild and crazy time period. I'm super excited because I thought the story was over and ended up kind of falling into this black hole of just wild wildness, absolute wildness. Make sure you're subscribed and please rate and review the podcast if you haven't already done so. And I would love to hear your guys' suggestions on what stories to cover. So drop those down with your reviews as well. And we will be back next week. Bye. Bye.